Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name is Lauren and from the Brainwaves team today I'm joined by Terry. We are going to be interviewing Mark Grant who is a psychologist with over 20 years experience treating sufferers of pain and stress. Mark has been developing and researching the use of eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing or EMDR for short in the treatment of chronic pain for over 15 years. In addition to clinical work, Mark has studied and written about the problems of stress and pain, mainly for fellow professionals, although his ideas have also been cited in the New York Times as well. Mark is the author of a chapter in the edited volume Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Scripted Protocols and the forthcoming Clinician Guide Self-Help Manual Change Your Brain, Change Your Pain. He has also published several articles on the subject, including in the Journal of Clinical and Consulting Psychology. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming onto the show to chat with us for this very exciting and new subject, and welcome to Brainwaves. Thank you. Hi, Mark. Um, You predominantly work with individuals experiencing chronic pain. Can you tell us what chronic pain actually means and how it's different from everyday pain? And what sort of symptoms you might, someone might experience in a chronic situation and how they impact on individuals on a day-to-day basis? Sure, sure. Well, chronic pain is, is uh, by definition, pain which lasts more than six months. Uh-huh. And um, it may or may not be associated with an injury or a particular medical condition. Uh, in some cases, it can develop purely as a result of psychological causes, although that's really uh, quite a small percentage of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can come in all sorts of guises. Um, you can have mechanical low back pain. It can could be cancer pain. Mm. You, know, you can have neuralgias or uh, what's called chronic regional pain syndrome or fibromyalgia uh, and, and, uh, or, or the more psychological pains such as gastrointestinal problems, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. uh, convulsions and things like that. Mm. Um, it, um, it's the difference between chronic pain and acute pain, probably the main difference is that chronic pain is never just pain. It's always associated with other, other factors such as uh, insomnia, for example. Yep. Um, the pain doesn't uh, behave like normal pain, so you can have pain even though you, know, you haven't done anything to kind of stir it up, yeah. Uh, so it's quite random in its course and um, doesn't respond to um, the kinds of things that acute pain responds to, say rest or medication. Yeah. Those things don't tend to help much. 
Mm. Um, it's also um, now they're increasingly finding that um, chronic pains associated with uh, neurological changes. Oh, right. So, uh, for example, chronic pain sufferers are losing grey matter three times faster than that associated with a normal ageing rate. Mm. Um, so um, it's quite really, um, really probably a bit of a misnomer to call it chronic pain because it, that's really just one aspect of it. Mm. Mm. So people uh, who experience chronic pain can also experience mental health symptoms as well. Yeah. And like you said, we're beginning to notice that it, chronic pain is not just a physical problem. So could you please explain how the mind and body are linked in the experience of chronic pain? Sure. Um, this is an area of um, great research and, and interest. Um, and it's, it's an important question because, because we tend to think of pain as a response to injury. So when, when a person has pain that is um, not explicable in terms of injury, everyone's scratching their head you know, trying to figure out um, what's going on? Are they crazy, or, or is, 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 is a doctor missing something? But the reality, but what we're learning is that um, um, there are many factors that can produce pain other than physical injury. So, um, one of the biggest discoveries in recent years has been the finding that um, people who have suffered. Uh, trauma in childhood, especially abuse or severe emotional neglect, um, basically develop a weakened immune system and um, uh, weakened uh, a, a sort of an increased sensitivity to uh, disease and illness so that when they do have an accident or an injury, they tend to have a much uh, kind of more a worse response to it because their system's already uh, strained by you know the, the the trauma or the abuse or the neglect that they've they've dealt with mm -hmm. in their early childhood. So those are those are predisposing factors. So um, can you? You're a strong advocate for EMDR in dealing with chronic pain. Can you explain for our listeners what exactly eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing is? Sure. Um, it's a, it's um, the term actually, uh, eye movement desensitisation and reprocessing, was coined by Francine Shapiro, an American uh, psychologist, yeah. who actually discovered the method by accident as she was walking in the park one day. Um, feeling distressed about something and she had a burst of uh, saccadic eye movements and noticed that after that she felt calmer. And now, can she, you tell us what the saccadic eye movements mean for us? Saccadic eye movements are what, uh, when you have REM sleep, if you look oh, at a person, yes. yeah, their eyes flutter rapidly. Yep. And those are saccadic eye movements and it is possible to have them spontaneously when you're in waking. Yep. And that's what she seems to have experienced. And as a result of that completely random experience, she investigated the role of uh, eye movements in uh, alleviating uh, stress and, and trauma mm -hmm. and found you know, that it worked, that it helped uh, PTSD sufferers and initially. And, um, and for our listeners, can you remind us what PTSD is? Oh, sorry, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. So. She was working with uh, back then Vietnam veterans. Ah, yes. And um, the um, 
at the time they had no idea how it worked and everyone thought it was a bit crackers that you, you know you could help people by really just getting them to focus on 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 their problems and and you know following this bilateral stimulation yeah. of the therapist moving their hand backwards and forwards okay so the uh, moving the hand backwards and forwards mm. did that get the eyes moving yeah correct so the uh, the patient's instructed to think of um, you know, say their their, their uh, car accident, for example, and yeah. the you know whatever image they might have in their mind about that, and the thoughts that go with that. So there's a very specific sort of protocol, mm. and then that, and then to uh, attend to the eye movements and just notice and just let whatever happens happens. Um, that's all. That's all done after quite a bit of preparation and. Um, I suppose uh, making sure that the client is safe and stable before you do it, so you don't just launch into it as quickly as that. Yeah. Mm. And what seems to happen um, when uh, following that is that the person reports uh, a relaxation effect, uh, what's called a distancing effect, which it means that they describe the memory feeling as though it's further away. All oh, right. And they report often a decrease in. Um, sort of vividness of the memory and that all happen that can all happen fairly quickly mm-hmm. and that's um, really why I'm so excited about EMDR because um, for people who've had certainly single trauma it has that potential to uh, to transform the memory very quickly mm-hmm. um, they're still working on uh, discovering why it works but um, the um, I suppose the theoretical underpinning is that all human beings have what's called an adaptive information processing capacity, i.e., an ability to learn and grow from experiences, whether they're negative or positive. Yeah. And that in traumatic experiences, that ability is thwarted somehow, and then they need help to you know to catalyze their own um, information processing capabilities. To Cat- overcome catalyze overcome it, it. Did you say? Yes. To, right. to activate it, to activate right. it. Yeah. Mm. So um, what yeah. does the current evidence for EMDR suggest in comparison to other psychological treatments? Okay, um, for, for post-traumatic stress disorder, the um, method is uh, has, a, has a well-established evidence base. There are um, uh, over a dozen studies and uh, the treatment of PTSD, and it is accepted and recognised by um, uh, the World Health Organisation, the various international trauma associations, mm-hmm. and um, the, uh, the Department of Health in America and the UK, etc., etc. Um, and the treatment of chronic pain, it's um, the, the National Health and Medical Research Council of Australia has a four sort of criteria evidence base yeah and um, EMDR you have to get to level one to be accepted and EMDR is now at level two it had there are four controlled studies and there's been a one Cochrane review and probably one more controlled study and another review and it will have reached uh, the criteria uh, to be accepted as a treatment for chronic pain fantastic and um, just while we're there, you've been using it in your own personal pr- practice, so you're obviously uh, quite a proponent for it, and you've been using it for over 15 years. 
Um, are you able to give us any sort of summarised case studies of the sort of chronic pain people have been yes, dealing absolutely. with? Yes, absolutely. So um, the method, because the method started out as a trauma therapy, yeah. Um, 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 a lot of chronic pain sufferers have suffered a trauma, uh, whether it's a car accident or, or combat uh, experience yeah. or a work accident. Or So where there's trauma, um, the research is suggesting that's where the method is, is most effective. Uh-huh. Um, although having said that, um, chronic pain itself is traumatic. So most chronic pain sufferers actually have uh, very high levels of anxiety and and they look very much mm. like uh, PTSD sufferers even though they may not have suffered a trauma um, so to give you you know to give you I suppose a feel for a case I treated a lady recently who'd been in a, hit by a truck and um, you know thought thought her, her time was up and um, somehow luckily survived but she had whiplash pain mm. down her left side now um, she had um, probably the mildest form of whiplash you can have. I have to say that there are different different categories of whiplash pain, but she was very traumatised uh, by the accident and uh, had typical symptoms, of, the classic symptoms of PTSD, mm-hmm. uh, such as intrusive thoughts, nightmares, flashbacks, uh, hyperarousal. So, in so basically, I treated her memories of the accident with uh, EMDR and mm-hmm. she, she um, became very distressed in the, in the process and um, then as, as she continued uh, focusing on the bilateral stimulation she sort of calmed down and um, r- really within half an hour mm-hmm. the memory had really dimmed and she was able to say uh, you know it was just one of those things that happened I survived, uh, uh, you know, it's in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this sort of shift from being, uh, you know, from being overwhelmed by the memory and 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 the pain to being in the present and being able to look back at it. And her whiplash pain actually completely resolved in that session. Wow. Now, that that's that's fantastic but that that client had everything going for her she didn't she didn't have a, ch- a history of childhood yeah. trauma and things so um a more um, um that's a that's a uh, that's a you know that's a beautiful example but more typical would be the person who comes in who has had a tough childhood who's had a work injury um um, and who's perhaps having ongoing medical treatment and it may not be going terribly well yeah. and who's having a lot of uh, anxiety and um, depression about um, the disability and the uncertainty and the loss of control over their life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really a lot more complicated and uh, you, you know, I would be using, I'm using EMDR along with um, uh, stress management and uh, relaxation techniques and um, helping them to uh, also to I suppose to change their self-concept to integrate you know the changes that have been stimulated by the pain. Mm-hmm. But even there with EMDR, I, um, I find that I help I help people get to that place of perhaps not being cured of their pain, but being able to manage it a lot better and feeling sort of less defined by it yeah. and again being able to sort of step aside from it 
and um, develop a sense of self that's separate from it mm. much more quickly than uh, trying to push them uh, you know, through it. Mm. So has EMDR been shown to be effective for other mental health conditions? Uh, yes, it's been, um, there have been reports of it with the use of grief, uh, anxiety disorders, addictions, really any problem with a strong emotional component. I actually find it very helpful for anger management mm. because anger, anger is usually a reaction to something that's out of a person's control and, and basically that person feels threatened by that. And so um, I find EMDR very good for working with mostly angry men and helping them to uh, not feel so affected by the things in their life that they can't control. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard about that one. No, it's, it hasn't been reported. It's just something that I've uh, just sort of discovered. I actually uh, um, find it quite good for that. Mm. Um, are there any common misconceptions or criticisms of treatment using the EMDR method? Uh, yes, that's a good question, actually. One of the... Um, one misconception, unfortunately, is that it can fix everything in, in two or three sessions because of that first case that I told you. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, the vast majority of, of, of people are much more complex than that and um, that uh, um, uh, they're not going to get that sort of outcome. And so some people, I think, have become a little bit disillusioned with the method because it, it's perhaps... Um, um, there's been a lot of reports of those uh, wonderful results mm. and, and, um, and not everyone's quite, quite so simple. Uh, there's also been some scepticism about the eye movements and because of the lack of understanding of how, how that might work. Um, and there was initially um, some people saying it was, wasn't really necessary, but... Um, They've now done some brain scans of people and found that um, it is uh, triggering brain changes, which uh, suggest that it, is, that it is important, that it is doing something. Mm. Um, and of course, um, I think professionals, you know, like in the treatment of chronic pain, because it's not really there yet in terms of being an accepted treatment, they're, they're still waiting for more research. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's. There's a lot, a lot of work still to be done there. A new area. Mm. Yes, yes. So we also understand that you've developed an anxiety application that aids in alleviating the physical symptoms of chronic pain. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit more about the app and how you came to design it? So Sure. Um, so I was um, working, in my work with chronic pain sufferers, I was seeing in the session people feeling relief following the bilateral stimulation but because of the nature of chronic pain they'd go home and within a few hours the pain would be back and they had to you know basically put up with that until the next session so I thought um, if they could have access somehow to the bilateral stimulation in between sessions mm -hmm. not not trying to do self EMDR but just using that process as a way of um, deactivating their feelings and producing a relaxation response yeah. That, that could be a safe and effective way to help them manage their 
pain and emotional distress. So um, that was what led me to to develop the app. And um, um, I developed an anxiety app because anxiety is the most common mental health problem in uh, Australia, and it's also an aspect of uh, a big aspect of of uh, chronic pain, as mm. I've mentioned. Mm. And um, when I just when I uh, it's a funny story, but when I just just after I'd finished developing it, um, uh, um, the manager of the facility where I rent my, my professional rooms yeah. um, came by with her arm in a sling, and I said, you know, what's what's wrong? She said, oh. I've got carpal tunnel syndrome and I'm going to have to have surgery. I said, and it, um, uh, anxiety is actually uh, highly correlated with carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm. So I said, look, why don't you take this app and give it a go and and just try it. It can't hurt. She said, look, I do anything. I really don't want to have surgery. Mm. So she came back three months later. Again, this is well, this is a woman who had other trauma, but she was really a very strong very resourced, very stable person. Mm-hmm. She came back in three months. She was off all her medication. She didn't need surgery, and her carpal tunnel syndrome had resolved. That's fantastic. It, mm-hmm. it, it is. And again, I don't want to say that happens in every case, mm-hmm. but I, I wrote that case up, and it's been published, and it's, to the best of my knowledge, the first and only scientific report of an app being used to actually resolve chronic pain. Most chronic pain apps are just about tracking it and monitoring it and things but in this case it actually helped a person overcome their pain that's wonderful mm. yeah so yeah. is that sort of where you see the future for emdr and chronic pain is like techno using technology to help support patients i think technology has a role to play uh, and um the way it's, you know, health apps are actually the, la- the fastest growing uh, area of app development at the moment. So it, it, um, it's a huge area. Um, but I don't, think, I don't see it ever replacing um, the role of one-to-one therapy, but it's certainly um, going, to, going to be a big adjunct and a big advantage because of the convenience. You know, you can use an app lying in bed at night. You can use it standing in the bank of the queue. It's just so convenient and so easy. Mm-hmm. Now, we've heard that you've got a free event coming up where um, we were wondering if you could tell us a bit more about it and where your event is and the day and how people register and so on. Sure. Um, so I'm giving a talk at the at Q Library uh-huh. on Thursday, the 18th of May. It's from 7 to 8 p.m. and it's about managing anxiety and I'll be talking about my work with EMDR and... Um, how that, I suppose, what we can take out of that method to help people cope with anxiety. So, for example, um, how to use the bilateral stimulation to actually deactivate the brain activity that maintains anxiety. And um, I'll, be re- I'll be really introducing the idea that anxiety is not such a bad thing, that um, it actually has benefits. So, um, um Anxious people are, are more intelligent, research suggests. People can people can book online. It's actually um, filling up pretty fast. Yeah. Um, at uh, by just by typing in managing anxiety with Mark Grant 
Burundara Library Service and that'll take them straight to a page where they can book in. Fantastic. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we put a link to all of that on our podcast page as well so that people can go online and see that as well. Thank you. I also, um, can I just mention that my uh, PR lady says that there's going to be a podcast available yes. after after that event, of the event, so that right. people who couldn't make it can access it, and that'll be available via my Facebook page. So if people just look for Mark Grant, psychologist and author, uh, they'll be able to find it that way too. Oh, perfect. Well, we'll put a link to that Facebook page on our podcast page as well so that people can go listen to the event afterwards as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much, Mark, for coming on the show today. And, and good luck with your event at the Kew Library, Thursday the 18th of May. What was the time that it starts on that Thursday? 7pm. 7pm. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark. My pleasure. That's all of Brainwaves for today. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for a new episode on 3CR, 8.55am. If you want to find more of us, we can be found brainwaves.org.au and podcasts of our show 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves or on iTunes. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.